What is this shit? This ch this this Chelsea bullshit. New sheriff in town. Look at this. Look at this. Rip his arm off, coach. Rip his eyes. See you. You're not so tough now. You're screaming. Yo, rip his arm off, coach. Rip his arm off, coach. Hello and welcome to N17 Podcast. My name's Cosmo and tonight I'm joined by Jed. Yo. Joined by Eddie. Good evening. I'm joined by Glenn. Yo. I'm not even sure Glenn can see us, seeing as he's left his glasses. Glenn's, Glenn just got off that train from Scotland, bro. <laughs> he's finally off it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're muted, by the way, Glenn. That's even, yeah. that's even more funny. Glenn's, you can't even see that. He's just the, taking Glenn's L's right now. Yeah, I'm muted <laughs> as well. What the? Yeah. Nine-hour train to Scotland. Delays, all sorts. Because our both top on as well. One yeah. of his one of his yeah. other teams, when he's not sporting Everton. My God. <laughs> not even strays. They're just direct hits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not you must, time of the day. You must be gutted with the, with the Anthony Gordon rumour. Oh, I, I, I'm not even. <laughs> it's too. It's too early for this. It's too Dude, early. My guy sounded exactly like Claude in that moment. <laughs> Just had a malfunction. <laughs> I have to remember which podcast I was on. <laughs> right, we're recording on the Tuesday. We're still somewhat basking in the afterglow of the Chelsea draw. Not a victory, but it kind of felt like one. Um, at the time, uh, particularly with the way it ended with the whole the whole handshake business, I can't lie. I watched it on holiday, um, and yeah, I'd had quite. I'd had many drinks. I'd had many drinks, and I was just ridiculously gassed. I don't know if you guys saw my Instagram story, but I basically uploaded the whole game onto my story. <laughs> I kept seeing things from the game and I kept seeing like these little videos that people were making about like Tuchel versus content. I just been like, oh, I'll just put that on. The I don't know what I was even thinking. Like I just absolutely polluted my personal Instagram with just like, <laughs> that's like when, that's like when you're, when you're, when you're pissed and you just start popping up to everyone's stories as if it's direct to completely, like directly. You went live as well, Cosmo. You went live as well. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of drinking on that holiday, and yeah, I did a little live live broadcast at one point, which is kind of like I was discussing it with my cousin, and he's like, "Yeah, sometimes when you're really pissed, like you say, let's do a little live Instagram." But I'm basically trolling when I say that. But this is, <laughs> I was like ten times away from the trolling on that holiday. Like, it's, <laughs> you were so serious. It was kind of it was kind of disturbing, actually. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true, man. Um, but yeah, man. Like, where did you guys watch it, Eddie? Um, no, you didn't watch it with your brother, who is a Chelsea fan, did you? No, because he went to Stamford Bridge, um, which makes it kind of sweeter. Uh, to be honest, I watched it uh, at home on 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 the old the old TV. Um, but I I feel like <laughs> I feel like the first half I was like. I was almost barely watching it as so I was like, oh, how was disgusting like, how... was it, man? I was just like, this is this is probably like the worst. Like I was watching it thinking my brother's having the best time and I'm straight up having the worst time. And so, but yeah, I was watching it at home. Uh, uh, yeah, not having the best time, first half at least. 
Yeah, at the bar in in Naxos, me and Aaron had like this little kind of like sofa thing, um, like a kind of like one of those garden sofas. And like by the end of the half, by the time that the halftime whistle blew, I was like, I'd managed to like roll myself completely down the sofa where like only my head was basically on the back of the sofa. And I was like <laughs> lying like on the floor because I don't know, man, like my body was just exhibiting all the internal signs of stress and depression. And like me and Aaron were like not, bloody even talking to each other it was that bad we were like <laughs> we were like go descending into like the typical like boomer terms like i, was, I kept saying to him i was like why isn't anyone put bloody tackling like <laughs> but it was like it was like that like why were we so bad jed what what, what do you think why, why were we so crap in that first half i just think it's um i think too cool so it set them up very well, to be honest. I think as much as we we maybe didn't look up for it and we were, we were a little bit off the boil, I think Conte seems to have these these managers that he he just can't seem to like play against. I thought Hasenhut was on them, but obviously proved that to be wrong last week. Um, yeah, it was just a Chelsea setup, man. They just really didn't allow us to get out of our own half at all. Um, Obviously, we went on to make a few changes, which sort of changed up the game. But yeah, that first half was absolutely awful, man. And I, I think I've, I finally found out where I've got my pessimism from. Pessimism from because I was watching it with my dad, and um, yeah, he, he definitely weren't happy. Let's just say that. He what was he happy. saying? What was he saying? Uh, yeah, just just the, oh, we're fucking bottling it. We're fucking but they're all bottlers. Bear in mind the week the week before that when we went one 0 down to Southampton, my dad texted me saying season over. <laughs> wow. And, wow. And then the second half he's like correction season back on. So <laughs> I think that might be where I get my pessimism from. But yeah, in terms of the game, we just we just weren't at it. Um so many different things. I just where'd you even start with it really? There's a lot of a lot of players just didn't turn up at all. Sun couldn't really get into the game. Kane as well. Both both being marked out of the game. I think that's that's one issue with Kane as well. I think if he has someone like really tightly marking him, he finds it hard to like sort of get into the game. If you drop off Kane and just let him let him take the ball and then spray them passes, he's he's unplayable. But when when you really stick to Kane, I do think he struggles a lot. Same with Son. I think if you're tight on Son, he's not comfortable with with the, receiving receiving the ball with his back to a player. Um and yeah, I think that sh- it sh- didn't give us much of an outlet, to be honest. So, Glenn, how much do you think that that awful performance in the first half and probably the first 60 minutes, probably the whole game, apart from like brief periods, to be fair, how much do you think that was tactics, as as Jed explained there, but how much do you think it's mentality as well? Because it's not just against Tuchel where we've done this. Like, Mourinho did this against Lampard, where Spurs we just look completely impotent when we play Chelsea. I think it's worse against Tuchel, but it's, there's a bit of a pattern. Yeah, I just don't think the teams matched up very well. Like, Reese James was, like, played the perfect game against Son in the first half, I thought. I thought he was, like, the best player on the pitch throughout the whole game, like, as a whole. He marked Son out the game. He made, like, two early fouls on Son, just, like, sort of, Fouls that needed to be made, he got booked, and then from then on, he just didn't foul him and just got really tight and marked him out of the game. I thought that playing him right centre back allowed them to do what they did by going man for man. Because if you play like a 
Rob Holden, for example, someone who's slower, not as physically able as Reese James, like isn't able to get up and down the pitch like Reese James is against Son. You're just like you'll just get done for pace with the out ball. Um, whereas Reese James can just go man for man against Son. I thought Kulisevsky got doubled up on as well, um, quite well. So they seem to be our outlet balls. And Bentoncourt had um, his worst game in the Spurs shirt in the first half, especially. I think overall he had his worst game in the Spurs shirt. I think his passing accuracy was like below 60%, um, which is just not good enough for the sort of midfielder he is. Um, and I just, yeah, I just don't think we matched up very well in the first half. And I think when we went to the 4-2-4, four, it went a lot better and then they adjusted and then we adjusted again. So it was like a tactical battle in the second half. But the first half, they just were all over us. We need to change wanted, something. I just wanted to pick up on, on what Glenn was saying, Cosmo, so if you're about to say something. Um, like just with the with the, the reason why I mainly think, uh, I guess it's kind of like kind of cribbing on, on Jed and, and what Glenn said, but really I think it is a ta- it was mostly a tactical thing because... Um, and I'm just about to get super noncy now uh, with the tactics. But um, if you look at the like the way that Chelsea were playing, um, even though they did have like the basically a similar formation to what we were playing, um, the way they were able to to do that was to overload the the midfield and make sure that the outballs weren't getting out to the to the full back to to our wing backs like. Um, Stess and, and on the, on one side and Emerson on the other side uh, barely had any op- like opportunity to get up the pitch um, with or without the ball because by the time our centre backs had uh, our centre midfielders had got the ball they were really like pressing our centre midfielders and and overloading the midfield even though and and they were overloading overloading the midfield by playing uh, Loftus Sheik at right wing back not necessarily his most like favourable position but the way that they were playing it he was playing so narrow that um, and with the athleticism of what Glenn was talking about in terms of Reese James who can kind of cover that right back right centre back position um, Loftus-Cheek was able to get super narrow almost play as like a like a right-sided uh, central midfielder and then they were able to pack out that space where we usually either um, where, where Ben Tancor kind of drops in uh, and picks up the ball uh, and kind of sprays it out. Or we pass to our midfielders who are able to like create an out ball for our uh, wing backs or or up to Harry Kane. The amount of times that we tried to pass it through the middle and loop and lost the ball was insane in the first half. Um, and that's like down to what uh, both Joe and Glenn were saying that both Son and Kane were being so tightly marked they weren't able to to flick it around the corner or or to to, to control the ball because they're being ha- Harried and harassed, and Thiago Silva played well, and I thought Kulabali played well, um, and so I think there there was that which I think contributes about seventy percent of why we played bad. But also, I did think that the, the Chelsea just looked a bit more hungry. It is like so annoying because like it shouldn't take much to get up for a game like this um, as a Spurs player because. You know, fans get up for it every every week, and and but especially for games like this, where it's clear that there is a rivalry brewing, and 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 it does mean something. Like this game does mean mean a lot, and the yeah, the players just looked a bit off it. Um, 
and it felt like the fans were anticipating more aggression and, and more buying from the players than perhaps they were expecting to give. Um, I don't think it's a complacency thing, but I certainly think that we just went up for it the first half. Yeah, and that can happen. Um, not to like pile in, in on players too much, but like among some of the players that I thought played badly, I thought Davis was pretty poor from you know what I was seeing. But that could also be down to like what you were saying, like he purely just didn't have options to pass out of. Um, but I feel like given the circumstances, he didn't cope with it well at all. Um, and he was he was a little bit shaky against Southampton as well. So. I think that's one to potentially keep an eye on, although I do like him a lot. But yeah, um, we changed up the formation, brought on Richarlison, went to the 4-2-4, as you said, Glenn. Um, I've got to say already, I'm loving Richarlison. I'm loving Richarlison. I was going to use the Everton joke on on Glenn just then, saying like, what's he going to bring to our club? Obviously, you watched him a lot, but I think I've gone to that teat a bit too too many times. I've milked it. So let's not go. You're saying, you're saying you, or you, you're starting to love Richardson. Like I've been telling you for three seasons, bro. <laughs> you actually have to be fair. You have, you have. But like, that is good. Yeah, but I thought he had a, he had a brilliant impact off the bench, and it was pretty much. I mean, I know you guys just broke it down tactically, but and it was also down to tactical change with the fact that all of a sudden we were playing a lot more narrow. But he kind of did just run about a bit and throw himself about a bit which is <laughs> it's not like he was like brilliant off the bench so you know if we're going into Yadar versus uh, um, Tactico uh, here yeah, um, yeah I, I, I thought he was brilliant man and I think we're going to love him because I loved how um, in the aftermath of all, all the uh, Conte Tuchel beef which we will come on to I love how he points the referee to Tuchel Gets two cool set off. I've never seen a player get a manager set off. That is amazing. And then the best bit is after he just does this shrug at two cool, like, oh, what would you expect? What do you expect? <laughs> I just love him, man. What a character. What a character he is. But yeah, on the tactical changes, what did you make of that? That the 4 2 4 was quite interesting to see, I thought. I think it was a personnel thing as well. Like, not just the four two four, like the being able to bring Richarlison off the bench, Perisic off the bench, Basuma off the bench, etc. Rather than bringing Winks, fucking Lacelso, and Brian Hill off the bench, like such a change. It's, it's complete night and day compared to last year, where we got spanked at Stamford Bridge, and we did something similar when we went to four two four last year and brought Bergvan on, and he missed the the chance at the other end. I think. Was that last year? Yeah. I think it was it was we went to the bridge one year and we brought Bergvan on in a four two four and we lost. Um but yeah, it it was like night and day. And I think it allowed Son to play like wider and get the ball more often and it made it harder for Reese James to mark him because mm-hmm. Reese James had to mark Richardson or Kane, whichever was on that side at the time. Um but it did leave us a little bit exposed in the wing back areas. Um as for when Reese James scored, which I think Conte was literally just about to change before that happened as well. As the subs were, you could see the subs were already ready before the ball went in. So it's, it's annoying that we conceded like that second goal in the 4-2-4 formation because I think it was going well. I think they just adapted like one or two minutes before we could. And then 
obviously we brought on Perisic. He had a great impact. I thought Basuma looked really good. I think he should be starting next game. Um, I think one of I think Hoybier and Bentoncourt both had pretty poor games. Even though Hoybier scored, I think he was in the first half probably the worst player on the pitch because he was just giving the ball away so often, and it just wasn't wasn't a good performance from him in the first half. But yeah, again, bringing on the players that we could was really good. It's it's super tough um, when you're under that amount, like amount of immense pressure for both your centre midfielders to to be sloppy on the ball. Like that can't happen. Um, and especially when we now re- like we rely quite a lot on Bentancor in, in the build up. He he is used quite a lot in transition, not necessarily carrying the ball, but like finding a simple pass, like finding out ball. Um, finding our attackers and when he has a poor game um, and Hojbjerg he's not the player that Benton Core is he's much better at carrying the ball or like or, or breaking or breaking the play down but and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's not a good passer he does have an eye for a forward pass which I think is a bit underrated I think some fans do underrate that about Hojbjerg he he is he isn't a negative footballer um much like I don't know that like Winks, um, but he is um, he, he does have his limits. And if Bensonko is having a poor game, we can't afford to Hoiberg to also be sloppy on the ball, which is what happened and why it looks so different when um, Basuma was on the pitch because he was so press resistant. Like, he showed the qualities that we know. He's super press resistant. He's um, he's he carries the ball well. He's 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 strong um, and he's. Uh, intelligent as well, so I think that's like what the difference was, um, uh, including the the, the the constant shifting of the, the formations. Um, yeah, obviously I don't know what you have to say, Jed. Oh, I, I definitely agree, and I think that's where going forward this season, I think Basuma will be key for us. I think you mentioned about Benton Cordarity, and I think he's key for us in build up in the sense that he really invites the press from the, the opposing team. Because he takes maybe one or two extra touches, or not even not even all the time he takes two, uh, one extra touch. Sometimes he just plays the ball first time, and that's when he has a player pressing him, and it just completely takes him out of the game, and it opens up the pitch for us. But he wasn't able to do that because Chelsea pressed us really well. Um, so I think yeah, if he's having an off game, then it doesn't allow us to sort of get out. Um, but yeah, just just to touch on what Glenn said as well, I think. It's so important being able to bring players on and the quality doesn't drop. If you're bringing on someone like Harry Winks, they're not a game changer. They're not They're not going to come on and give us anything that, that we haven't got already. Um, and you saw that with Richarlison as well. Like, Although I don't think it like shifted the game in the sense that like we were all of a sudden on top because I don't think we were ever on top in that game. I think it just gave us something different where if we were under pressure, we could just clip that ball into the channel because we knew Richarlison was always going to run it. And I don't think that's something Son is necessarily good at. He's more of a running in behind type type forward, whereas, you know, Richarlison is going to run those channels and cause problems for defenders who are operating that. So that definitely gave us a bit of extra something. And then obviously you saw Perisic with the um, the two corners at the end there, which were both of them were great deliveries. And, a lot of people have picked up on this. They were both on his supposed weaker foot, but it just gives you 
so many different options now. And I think Son was taking a few of his weaker foot as well. And it's just, like, like Glenn said, it's, it's refreshing to have that quality come off the bench. So I feel like you guys think that Perisic and Basuma will start the next game. That's the impression I get. Um, can we see Richarlison starting as well? I I think we give. I think I th- I think our front three was so have been so prolific in this calendar year. Do you know what I mean since Kulusevski has joined, they've been the most they've been the most effective and and prolific front three. Like all three of them have contributed massively. Um, and uh, again, in 2022, we've scored either the most or the second most goals in the league. So um, I don't think that we're going to see Richarlison start like next game. I think it will still be that front three. Um, I, I also think that like, uh, although I suppose Son has now had like two rather poor games, um, I do think a game that like the upcoming games, although are stealthily difficult, might prove to be like more appropriate games to see our like to see like whether or not like this will continue. I think like there are the type of games where we do expect players like Kane and, and Son to really, really start showing their quality. Um and the type of games where like, you know, you don't have a back three that's that's worth like 150 million like you're playing against Chelsea um, so yeah I, I, I do think that it will still be the same front three but Richardson will certainly be thinking that he can knock on the door in the very near future um, he just I think he just needs to, to get a goal to be honest they all need a goal like I, I think I think just that confidence just does it is football so fickle once you score a goal you can suddenly just turn it on um, but when you like miss a few opportunities, you think it's not going your way. Yeah, I, I think that sums it up nicely. Um, let's come on to uh, the whole Romero trail of incidents. Um, <laughs> the whole, pretty much the whole game, uh, he was doing. He he was doing what I suppose they call Romero things, but this seemed like he took things to new levels. And I do feel like a lot of neutrals have now picked up on it and. He has got him now. If he didn't have a reputation before, he now probably has a reputation of being like the most dirty player in the league, rightly or wrongly. Um, I was listening to the Athletic Spurs pod, which which I absolutely love. This great pod, and they were really down on Romero in terms of his antics, rather than traditionally they're fans of him and they quite like the antics and they quite like the way. Well, they love the way he plays because he is a great player. But they were saying that. You don't want to see the hair pull in. You don't want to see him, especially they had a problem with him celebrating in uh, Reese James's face. What, what do you guys think of that? Because one, I don't think the hair pull was a sending off. And I think people have got themselves their knickers in a twist over that. Glenn, you're giving me the eyebrow. Uh, I know <laughs> I know you're a trained referee, but for, for me, <laughs> a little hair tug is a little for hair me, tug. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like a little love tap or something. There's nothing you're, wrong with that. Um, in the corner, <laughs> you know, you know, I love the dark arts. You know, you know, you know, I'm an absolute fan of the dark arts, but as Louis Van Howe once says, only in sex masochism, <laughs> it's, it's, it was he literally yeeted into the floor by his hair. There's no way that's not a red card. Bro, like, it was so violent. Yeah, it was, it was, it was horrendous. So I, I think he took it too far. I like I like the little nibbles that Romero does here and there, but I think he took it like dashed him. I dashed him. 
I, I, I think. Yeah, I have a feeling I, I, I need to watch like, this again. I, I think it gets it like three hundred, like, like three hundred levels too hard. I don't mind the, celebrating Reese James's face yeah. because he obviously had a word after the incident. I'm going to call it. I'm just going to call it the incident because it's it was a bit much. But Reese James obviously said something to him after the incident, and then we go and score. So that's fine. But the the hair pull is just. That is, that's like three oh, red is. cards over. <laughs> and I'm, I'd be so surprised if, you know what, I am so surprised that the Premier League haven't just been like, yeah, that's a that's like a five-game ban. Because it, 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 it genuinely is that bad. It's a straight red, which is free, and then it's probably worse than a straight red. You remember when Dembele got like 10-game ban for the eye gouge or whatever it was? Yeah, well, you can poke someone's eye out with an eye gouge. You can break someone's leg with a two-foot tackle. Snap you can knock someone out. You, you can knock someone out with a punch. He's just he's just tugged his hair. Come on. It's no, not that dangerous. It's way worse than that. He was, was bad. He was Yeah. I think the worst the worst part is that we, we know that Romero can do it in-game. Like, he can nail someone with a tackle. And he did do that against Havertz, and it was a good tackle. Do you know what I mean? And And... That's that's like the level of like, and like there are two levels of like the, the dark arts: people who are stupid with it, and the people who are intelligent with it. But I, I'm 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 not going to quote Jose Mourinho because he used a very strong term. But in the in the all or nothing documentary, you've got they, to be. They know, they know what you mean. They, they know. know what you mean. Uh, and uh, and um, I think that you have to you have to be intelligent with it, and we saw. The, the kind of the yin and the yang uh, with like Joachim Anderson yesterday. Um, do like this. This is an inch, this is an Oscar worthy dark arts performance from yeah. him. Yeah. Like that was perfect. You wind them up all game. You 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 foul within the limits of the game. You 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 get in their face. You you push. You shove. You nail them in the tackles legally, and and then like that that's going to boil over at some point, and it did. Nunes gets sent off and that changes the game. Liverpool are, are now chasing the game, although they got a point, are chasing the game with 10 men. And that probably rescues Palace to the point because they were basically under siege. Um, and then the other side is like what Romero did with, to, to, to Cucurella. And this, this does seem to be in retaliation to something that did happen earlier on in the game where Cucurella did stamp on, uh, on Romero doing a challenge. And that was... Uh, that was a ba- that was a bad uh, bad contact, and it could seriously hurt Romero. And so I think there is a bit of that. And also, we just we know Cucurella can can be mouthy, um, so there's probably a bit of that as well, especially that when they're speaking in the same language. Um, so nothing gets lost in translation there. Um, so I do think there was a bit of back and forth. Uh, you just have to do it in game because, like, in that in that in that situation, let's say the referee does see it. Um, because obviously VAR can't give it because it's not uh, it's not a penalty and they can't VAR are not in a position to give free kicks so the referee doesn't see it why it's not violent conduct not entirely sure um, but obviously if the referee sees that that is a hundred percent a red card it's a, it's a free match ban at least for Romero and then now we're talking about him being stupid he doesn't need to do it um, especially you know in the box you're in a corner it's just not needed so he has to be careful with it he does do it within the remits of the game most of the time but uh, yeah especially when we have a lot of other players that can like their temperatures will boil over like 
Richarlison can be like that. Um, do you know what I mean? Son can sometimes be super petulant. R- Romero can be can be like that. We don't want to then build up a squad of players that, um, you know, teeter over the edge. The, the, the competitive nature has to be there, but you have to be intelligent with it. But to be fair, to kind of play the devil's advocate, we did score from the corner. So is that... Yeah, we'd have had one less chance. Cuts? We probably won't score if he... Yeah, but he, he, but he didn't off. get sent off, though. He didn't get sent off. So I mean, if he doesn't get sent off, we don't score that. Are, are you guys not worried now that, though, like, teams are going to pick up on this if they hadn't before? Yeah. That they might start to target Romero now to wind him up? Because they know he he retaliates in these situations. Like you said, he had a bit of a coming together with Cucurella earlier in the match. And even if it's not like an intentional coming together, because I don't don't know if it was or not with Cucurella. I I didn't really see the replay, but I've seen the screenshot on Twitter. But I feel like with Romero, even if it's intentional or not, even if you just catch him, he takes that as a personal thing. And that's, that's his battle for the game. And I feel like teams might now start to pick up on it and sort of tell players like get at him like like Anderson did with Nunes yesterday um, I don't know it's, it's definitely something to look out for I, I am a bit worried over the next couple of weeks that refs are going to want to be the first ones to give him that red card now um, so I think for the next the next couple of game weeks or whatever it's going to be I think he just needs to be a bit careful yeah I, I would I would actually be worried about that if I think there was there was a point last season where he got like a few yellow cards in a row like three or four yellow cards in like cons- like consecutive game weeks and then Romero not Romero then Conte came out in a press conference and said something about yeah we're gonna have to work on his like his discipline and then yeah. he didn't get a yellow card for the rest of the season yeah so yeah I, w- I would be worried about that but I think Conte will definitely have it under wraps after this after seeing it again I think also Conte recognized that it happened um, yeah. And and he was like, look, like that's what VARs for. Um, so I I think if if Romero did get sent off, like Conte wouldn't have had any issue with that. Obviously, you hate to lose a player, but he does understand that that was like kind of out of control. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. I do think refs are going to be like itching to send them off now, to, just to say that they were the first to do it. I really do agree with that. Um, that view, especially because there are a lot of his tackles that like traditionally people have been like, oh, he knows just how to do it. So it's just a yellow card. He's not going to be able to do that anymore. Like his tackle on Richarlison last season, when we saw it in the stadium, we were like, everyone, red yeah, ev- everyone gasped. And then like yes, the Leicester one as well. Everyone there's actually there's countless man. Like this guy <laughs> is very lucky to have never been set off. Even the Southampton one. That one yeah. where Arsenal fans were like trying to make a petition to get him banned from football. It's just like, he's just, it's so borderline red card. And he and he does it a lot. Um, and it is <laughs> it is part of his game. And I, I think he, I honestly think he's pretty much getting to world-class levels. Maybe this is the stuff that's going to keep him from getting there. Um, but yeah, I think he can adapt. But I think there's there's a there's a red card in the future, man. It's coming. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, let's... Um, the Zoom's about to run out. Let's go to uh, part two, um, where we'll what discuss that, what, that the Hustlers handshake. Group, Hustlers University uh, affiliate link didn't work. We're still on, we're still on Bummy Zoom. Yeah, they cancelled him, man. Um, so there's no money anymore. 
<laughs> all right welcome back to part two and let's get to potentially the main event the handshake um you know i feel like this this kind of i don't know this was like instant but Bar- instant barclays heritage man this uh after after such a, a tense and dramatic game um Actually, like from a Spurs perspective, I kind of thought up until the goal, it was like kind of not a good watch. Like it was kind of terrible. It felt like a terrible game to me. And then getting that last minute goal and then the handshake. Yeah, it just it just felt like a classic straight away. But yeah, Eddie, I know you were very pissed off with two calls straight away um, throughout the game, pretty much. So like, yeah, what's what's your take on it? Uh, I've it's funny I feel like um, I, I basically sound like I have a campaign against German managers in the PL um, because I hate Klopp and I hate Tuchel um, but for I think two different reasons I think um, the the thing with the thing with Tuchel is that there's obviously some there's some history with Conte um, that's like also added to to like the you know the mood um, when when we play them um, and that kind of one one man up ship um, between the two of them, um, but like that should be professional. So like like whenever you see Pep and uh, and Klopp get into it, for however much I hate Klopp in terms of like the way he moans, like it it always feels like it's it's about the game. It's about City versus Liverpool, who can who can duke it out and win on the on the day, and with Tuchel, it just it, it he's it was so classless. Like all the antics were just were just lacking in class, um, and and the thing is, is that he he's super hypocritical. If the reason was that he he, he pulled Conte or grips Conte or, or whatever, um, was because he didn't like have like eye contact with him when he shook hands like why would he like why like you've been going at it all game it's just a courtesy at this point to shake hands and move on like no like and and the fact is it's just like another another just issue like when he kicks off when when we equalize it's just another thing and and i just think like the whole thing is just completely classless um and you know, maybe that's why him and Chelsea is such a marriage, a marriage in heaven. Class of club meets classless manager, but I don't know. I just I really disliked it, um, and then and then it, and then it just drags us into it as well. I think yeah. most of what we did was on the pitch, and then it kind of then just spills out from the touchline, and it makes us look bad. Um, yeah, being dragged in. I didn't think Conte should have been sent off. I don't see what he's done wrong. He's, he's gone to shake his hand and then Tuchel's like held his hand and then he's gone back and he's like, what are you doing? Like, what's he meant to do? He's been provoked the whole game. Tuchel's on a yellow, runs out of his technical area past Conte. And it's like, how can you treat that as as equal instance? I think Tuchel was trying to get Conte sent off the whole game. I don't think, I don't think uh, Tuchel should have been on the pitch to shake his hand in the first place. Uh, he's on a yellow card and he comes out of his technical area. Since when sit to to rile up another manager? Since when's that not a yellow card? I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't think there 
the handshake should have even happened. He should have been in the stands. Mm. Like that's that's my personal opinion. I don't I don't think I don't think that's a very like wild opinion either. I think there's there's a lot of people that are saying that. He, he's he just he just acted so like petulantly all game, just like every single thing had to be directed at our coaching staff or one of our players or the fourth official or Conte. Nothing, no, none of the frustrations were like aimed at his players at all. And it showed in his post-match press conference as well. He's like, oh yeah, we played amazingly. Like we were the best team. Like we, we, this is the best we've ever played or this. Da, da, da. And then he's like, oh, the Richarlison thing was offside. Well, he wasn't offside because he, he wasn't in the eye line. He wasn't between the ball and the keeper as shown by the camera and VAR. The Havertz thing, like, fair enough, you can give that a foul, but you've also seen other angles where it looks like he gets the ball and the phases of play of, like, there's, like, five phases of play. So I don't understand where he's going with that one. Yeah, you can be annoyed about the Romero thing, but even if Romero gets sent off, we still have the corner because it's uh, violent conduct, so it's not a foul. So we still have the corner. Harry Kane still goes and scores, let's say, for example. I just think he was like completely petulant all game and nothing, nothing was his fault or his players' fault. Just childish. And he's not going to get retrospectively... Like he, he mentions a referee. He's unlikely to get retrospectively punished for that either. And it's just like... That's what my frustration is. It's because it like every single thing was was outside the remits of the game. It just it just brought it into disrepute. And yeah, I agree. Like with Glenn, he runs down the touchline on a yellow card. Um, somehow that's okay. Uh, and then he survives to, to to get both himself and Conte sent off after full time. It's just a bit of, it's just a bit ridiculous. And I, can't, I agree that some of the decisions weren't great. I get that. Um, uh, but if you look like, if you look at the difference between Conte and and uh, Tuchel, you like you are very very unlikely to, in his whole time at Spurs since since Conte has joined. You've you've never you've never heard him complain about a referee in performance. Mm. It doesn't matter if we've lost the game or if we've drawn the game. If we've been if we've been hard done by a referee a refereeing decision, it's all about the football and the pitch for Conte. And so, it, like. That's the difference, and I think I think look, Conte is an emotional person, and there's no doubt that he's also riling up Tuchel um, with the way that he celebrates and what have you. But um, there's a there's a way of like there's a way of doing it. Just like we we're talking about dark arts on the pitch, there's a way of doing it, and uh, like Tuchel just comes across just completely classless, in my opinion. Yeah, we've actually got a question related to it and it's from Alfie Hutch and it says, who's going to be more affected by not having their manager on the sideline next game? Um, Jed, you actually made a point in this in the chat when you said that you think it's going to be tricky for us against Wolves without Conte there. What do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, bit worried. I'm a bit worried about the Wolves games purely probably because I'm going to it. Um and it's the early Saturday kickoff, and you know them ones are always fucking a bit weird. I don't know who's going to take it. Is it going to be Mason who's going to take take the game? I'd assume so, but I don't know if he's the official number two. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure, but like, I don't know. It's with with the way we play. I think it's it's all about the set patterns, anyway. So like, I, although Conte can be like a bit of a cheerleader on the side. 
I don't know if it's necessarily going to affect us in a tactical sense. But yeah, just going back to like the decisions and stuff, I couldn't give a fuck because we went to Stamford Bridge last last season. And they got they got away with the fucking softest, yeah, softest apparent foul that I've ever seen. Thiago Silva fucking dives like he's trying to get a gold at the Olympics. <laughs> One just forgets about that. Fuck it. I, I don't care, bro. I don't fucking care. Chelsea have had, had their fair share of decisions over the years. And also what pissed me off as well was the Sky commentator saying, oh, I think I think the referee's been a bit understanding of the situation there. That's why Tuchel hasn't gone when he ran down the touchline. Bro, players take off their shirts all the time after they score a goal. They get a yellow card regardless. So if that's if that's the reason why he didn't get a yellow, then that needs, that needs to be looked at as well. Can't be, you can't be Picking and choosing sentiments here. It's, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's the fact that he runs past Conte as well. Like, it's exactly. so clearly like a in, incendiary thing to do. Like, he could have gone exactly. the other way and celebrated with the fans, or he could have just gone behind the te- the substitute bench and celebrated with the fans. But no, he literally runs past Conte, who has to like, cover his eyes dramatically not to see it. Yeah. Which, um, I wish he did trip him up. I low-key wish he just... Can you imagine? Because Tuchel's so lanky, brother. Just, it would have looked hilarious. <laughs> just seeing him rolling down the touchline. We wouldn't have seen him for like 10 games though, God damn, if he did <laughs> no, do that. I think he would have been out for the rest of the season. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be unprecedented, man. I'm actually interested in in this kind of like parallel timeline what to see what would have happened. Because he was Most moving... What if episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was looking so lanky when he did that, man. He's all limbs. He was just like this. Yeah. Down the top. Uh, fuck him, man. He's so. Oh, he's so right, he, now, now everyone's now everyone's got into into my state of mind. No, I hate I hate the German thing though, especially with Klopp. I mean, maybe that sounds a bit bad, but fucking Klopp. Even yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw before the game. Oh, they, they they just love moaning. With the interviewer, where it's like, like, oh, why do you pick Darwin Nunes? Or why is it the perfect time to pick Darwin Nunes? If anything, it's it's, it's a compliment. It's like, yeah, yeah talk, talk talk well about, about your 75, 100 million pound, 100 million euro signing. Why yeah. do you think these they questions are stupid? What the, he, what? Um, he that takes is so rude, man. He takes everything as an affront. Um, and if it's not, and if it's not praising him, it's just like yeah. considered a, a, a uh, an insult and he just wants to, he just wants to win and, and go ha 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 at the end yeah. in, in every in every interview so I, I don't know man I, I I honestly do think that both Klopp and the thing is I think Klopp and Tuchel are two really great managers I think what Tuchel has done with Chelsea since he's with the team that he inherited is nothing short of really really great and I think that what Klopp has done with that Liverpool side also is just revolutionary for Liverpool I just don't like them as people, yeah. I guarantee you, there's going to be uh, a, a a sister pod or a mirror pod to this with Chelsea fans saying the exact same thing about Conte, and and that that is just football. I just think that like, just like I just think that Tuchel looks bad coming out of that. I just think he does, and I think Klopp always. I, I think Klopp's got, you know, he's he's got the goodwill of. of of the, of the the country because they've won the Liverpool won the mm. Premier League you know darling club um, yeah. in in the eyes of the media but like even him he's, he's comes across as super clusters. 
Given that we went there, we played badly and we got a point, and that is a huge upgrade on previous seasons. Where are we at now in terms of our Spurs, a team that can go for the league? Because there is one thing which I noticed before we even kicked off was what you said, Glenn, about the bench. Like I looked at that bench and I was like, pretty much most of these guys could start. I think we've gone, where I really noticed it was where I was like, Lucas Moura was, was previously the person we brought on to change the game. It's like the first person. And I was looking at the bench and I was like, he's probably like the last person I would bring on. Not a slight on Lucas Moura. Everyone knows that I love Lucas, but you know, that's how much we've transformed that. And yeah, Chelsea is a bit of a barometer. They were the third best team um, in the league last season. And we have, we've gone there to be fair. We haven't played well, but we've got a point. I, I said before, or just during the Liverpool game, I wasn't actually watching it last night, but I said in the chat, like their squad looks weak, man. Like some of the players they're playing, pretty poor they players. Have, they have a high volume in their squad, but the quality drops off dramatically when, yeah, yeah. Where there's, especially in midfield and defence, when like their starting defenders or midfielders are injured. Yeah, I think it's almost a good barometer of like a good measure of like how how much we've improved. The fact that we got like smoked four five times by Chelsea last season, even though they were the better team on on Sunday, I think the fact that we were able to stay within touch touching distance throughout the game says a lot more than the actual result itself. Because last last year we just they didn't even get out of like third gear and they beat us like four or five times. I don't really count the preseason one, but four times. Let's say, um, I think <clears throat> Chelsea are a team that we couldn't beat before. I think if we draw to Chelsea now and then we go and lose to Liverpool and Man City both times, it's just like two step forward, one step back. It's kind of like is what it is. But I think we are slightly improved on last year. I think the new signings need to gel within the team and then we'll see fully where we're at because at the moment we're just starting the same team that we had from January anyway. So it, it doesn't really show the improvements we've made until we actually start playing the players that we've signed that are supposed to come in and make our team better. Still, it's still very early days of the season. as well. Yeah. So then we still, the new players need to come in and need time to gel. I think for me on the day um, where I was a bit, a little bit upset was like I think a lot of Spurs fans going into it had this had had such huge huge optimism for the game, which is like weird considering we're going to a place where traditionally we 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 have an awful record. And for me, I was just a bit upset on the day that we didn't go there and like give a proper performance of it. And I know we've gone over all the tactical stuff and everything, but like that's that's what kind of upset me a bit and made me feel a bit down about our chances this season. But like. I guess in the grand scheme of things, you have to take into account where we were at last season, um, how we would have crumbled last season in that situation. And as you say, to come out of that with a point after playing as terribly as we did. And don't get me wrong, we did play terribly, but I don't think it was like, it wasn't like we were under siege in terms of like, it was shot after shot after shot. We sort of, we sort of kept them at bay. Like that we couldn't, we couldn't deal with their energy, but they weren't creating chances at will. So like, I guess in that sense, it's good that we can play that bad and like not not give them too much in terms of like opportunities, which is a good thing. 
And like I said, we didn't we didn't crumble like we would have in the past couple of seasons. So I guess yes. that's, that's one way you got to look at it. As you were saying that, a uh, Conte quote pops into my mind, which he kept em- emphasising when we were going win-loss, win-loss, which was when he said, we need to be able to play bad and not lose. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. So for me, that's an improvement. If you can't, if you, if you, what was it? If you can't you win can't. the game, don't lose it or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we've, we've been proving that over the past couple of months, I think. Yeah, I think back end of the season as well, when we haven't played well, even yeah. games like Brentford, where we yeah. drew 0-0, mm-hmm. like, we saw that those points mattered at the end of the season. Um, yeah. When we didn't play well and we still won, and and when we when we do play well, it's very good, and 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 we've been able to play well against you know some of the, the like the best teams in the league last season, and it does just click, and, and I think where where we um, where we were historically just dropping a lot of points were games like this, where we go two one, we we we, we even get an equaliser, then we go two one down. And then suddenly, you know, we're, we're chasing the game again and we just don't find it in ourselves. Like, how many times have we, like, laid siege to a, a defence and we can't find that goal? Uh, and and getting that goal was so satisfying, not least because it was Chelsea, um, but it was so satisfying because it just showed that we, we are building that mentality of not losing, of, of playing in, like... Like Cosmo, you you basically called it, it like during the game where you say you know like game's not over till it's over. I was like ready to down tools when we when we when we conceded because historically we just don't we don't get back after knockbacks like that. And yeah. to do it with basically the last kick of the game is hugely satisfying. And like I know it's been memes like to death now about how we've like celebrated as if it was a win. It's so much more than just a point. It just shows that the progress that we're making as a club compared to where we were historically in positions like this. Yeah, hundred percent. I think we should come on to some questions. Um, we've got one which we kind of covered a little bit. It's from Louis, uh, and it says Cessignon or Cessimwi. I like it. I like it. Bad game on Sunday, but great the week before. Uh, for me, I think I think Perisic has got to come in, man. Those corners have just chirps me I'm loving it did you see the videos of um, Perisic coming over to Sestra in the water break and giving yeah. him like, advice or whatever well, I, did, I did like that to be fair that's, ma- that's going to be massive for Sess yeah. I know we did like the preview pod and I was saying that might like the player that's going to like potentially surprise us all this season is, is Sess I think it's going to be massive and I was like I was so happy after the Southampton game I was like I knew I was right I knew it <laughs> And then obviously he, he played quite poorly against Chelsea, but it is Chelsea. I do think he's gonna like he's gonna benefit majorly from essentially being an understudy to to one of the best win backs, like most experienced win backs that you know you like European football can offer at the moment. Yeah. Do we think he's gonna like make that position his now though? Parasitic. I don't think so. I, th- I, th- I don't know, it's hard to, it's still hard to tell at the moment. I think I think you have to be careful with Sessegnon because it's been quite a long road for him in terms of his Spurs career. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like at this point now, just because, and I don't think Conte will do this anyway. You mentioned it last week on the pod that like Conte is really taking the arm around the shoulder approach with Sessegnon. And I think that's what he really needs. I think, I think them two will just chop and change throughout the season. I think 
as as Eddie said, like having basically Perisic mentor him throughout the season, watching Perisic and how he, how he does his stuff. Um, I think with them two chopping and changing, I think that that side is going to be very good for the for the season upcoming. Mm, yeah, Jed, I know you've got a few questions on your Insta. If you just want to oh, yeah. bring them up now, um, I'll fill in quickly um, with the fact that uh, having, you know, we're saying Parasic is, you know, getting older. Sessignon is his understudy. We've also brought in Destiny uh, Adogi, or is it Adogi? Adogi, right? Um, my main takeaway from that, I'm kind of. I'm kind of of the opinion now where I feel like Conte is such a win now coach that I only really care if we sign someone for this season. I know it's short termist, but like I'm kind of, uh, you know, I find it quite hard to get excited about. But what I am excited about is the fact that we are bringing in young players in the Conte mould for the future. That's a very good sign, I think. That's a very good sign. Um, he's earmarked on himself, apparently, as well. The fact that Conte, this is apparently a sign that Conte has wanted. And he's happy for him to go out on loan another season because that sort of points towards Conte wanting to be here long term, which is obviously what it's it's all that us Spurs Spurs fan want is for Conte to like properly commit to this role now. And I guess that kind of points to it. I feel like with every week, Conte is getting more and more Spurs though. But like I feel like even nearly fighting the current Chelsea manager, that is it's kind of just every week there's there's just some growing in terms of he's becoming more and more one of us pretty much. And he did make some comments. I think it was to Alistair Gold in a preseason when they were talking about when they were trying to get, you know, as someone that's, that's trained as a journalist, like, I understand this, like they were trying to get Conte to basically say, yeah, we're going to go for the title this season. And one of the things he was saying to not say that was like, we're going to need a few years to kind of get to the place where we can then challenge Klopp and um and Guardiola and one of the things he said was it took them a few years before they actually started to challenge so he's making noises which suggest that he doesn't see this as like a one season thing and I think we've done everything to match him man like when we when we came forth on that last day and I remember we were doing this pod saying oh is he gonna stay is he gonna go we did exactly what we needed to do to keep him in in that at the helm and yeah it, it I'm hopeful for the future, but you know, football's fickle, as Jed said earlier. So, you know, uh, basically, on back to the Udogi thing, that's one of the questions that I sort of had from Aaron. Was like, with the on with the outgoings picking up, do you think we will see any final incomings? Now, obviously, Udogi's come come in now. Um, the Celso went out on loan. I think that was confirmed on Sunday. Yeah, um, Bele looks like he's getting closer to Napoli. Um, we still don't know what's going to happen with Tanganga and Hill, but I don't know. I, I still think in, in incomings will be a bit quiet for now. I don't think the club have seen many opportunities that they want to take up. And I think you saw Conte's comments in the week about saying now's not the time to basically just spend money for the sake of spending money and that we can't afford to make any more mistakes in the market. Um, and I, I think that's a fair comment. I think... Even if we, we made like one more signing, like the Udogi one, where we sign up a really promising talent from a, a league abroad and just keep them on loan at the club he's at, I wouldn't mind if we did one more of those. I think the squad's in pretty good nick now. Um, yeah, for me, it's still about just getting a few more players out the door at the moment. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm not really like pining to bring anyone in to like start. I can't really think of um, a place that's obvious. The, the place that's always traditionally been obvious is right wing back and shows how fickle I am because I actually think Emerson's been pretty bloody good last two he games. Was, yeah, yeah. He, he looks different, man. Like, I was at the Southampton you, game. You were ready to execute him before the season started. I was, I was. But he just, he looks like a different player all of a sudden. Um, he can actually run with a football. He can pass a football now. Like, he just looks different. Um, is he the answer? No. But I think Conte just takes a liking to him. And yeah, that's pretty valuable, I suppose. It's also about protecting investments, right? We did actually pay a decent fee for him. So you don't want to be throwing away a 60 million player in Ndombele, whatever a million player in yourself. So an X million in Hill. Do you know what I mean? Like if we're able to nurture like some of the, the people that we brought in and it just saves like it being another bad investment. So like, I think there is, I think there is like situations where you do have to just like cut your losses. But Emerson is like, it's look, I, I keep forgetting this, but Emerson is still pretty young and like mm. he can improve and he can learn. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's necessarily the answer, but I don't think it's like a, a problem position for us at the moment. Also we did try and Spence, like I'm not, it, it, it is nuts, but we did sign Spence. Like, if it does come to that, Spence is someone that we signed this season. And can be used this season. Yeah, agreed. not to mention Doherty is to work club as well. I don't know what's going on with Doherty though. Like, I think I think long term he's going to be our starting right wing back. I just think he's coming back from that knee injury, and Conte is really, really. He he always talks about being very careful with recovery and injuries, and he's obviously being very careful with the whole skip thing. Um, he was very careful with Sessegnon towards the end of last season uh, with that injury as well. So I'd, And Perisic as well. Like Perisic has come in with a slight calf injury and he's barely played a minute of Premier League football so far. So I just think he's he's the sort of person that won't throw someone in, especially because we have depth now. The depth that we have is good. Yeah. But I think Doherty will be the one going forward. Sorry, Jed. It's going to be a long season as well and we're going to need these players fit. I think you're right. It would be it would be stupid at this stage to rush everyone back for the sake of it when, like you say, we have the depth to sort of just keep us ticking over at the moment. I was thinking, though, I think Wolves is quite a good game to bring Doherty in for, like, against this old club. But, like, it's against Chelsea, you do want a uh, player like Emerson because I think he is... I was tempted to keep him just for, like, big six games. I know it's, like, a ridiculous luxury to take on, like, a 25 million investment, but he is a good defender, he really is good at defending. He's just not good as good going forward. So dirty against his old club could be a good one to like get his fitness and his sharp, sharpness up. The one thing I would say is that we are playing Forest after that. So maybe that would be a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I think one of these two games, we could f- rotate both the win-backs. I'd like to see Perisic yeah. come in as well, personally. Same. Agree. Is there any other questions that you guys want to answer? Because um, there was a question earlier that I posted... We kind of covered it briefly, but it does raise an interesting question. Like it was, it was, it was my actual boss from work, um, Ed, and he said, um, "Let me get it up." God damn it! Um, he basically said, "You know, like is the precedent that we're setting 
like has it changed since a cut like several years ago where uh like who've got retrospectively a free match ban for for elbowing and pulling Fellaini's hair um like obviously since then VAR has come in and uh and you know decisions like this would be like you know peak VAR usage like retrospectively given this so has precedent changed are is VAR basically not being used in this instance because they don't want to you know overturn an on-field decision even though there wasn't really a decision made or like what is the situation here and like why why have they not retrospectively uh banned uh Romero here because they have confirmed that they're not going to take action yeah I, th- I think I think they're like now taking VAR as gospel like they, they don't want to they don't want to um put even more spotlight onto VAR by um by like retroactively like overruling VAR, which is a retroactive system. Like it would be kind of crazy for them to do that. Um it would just paint VAR in an even worse light. It'd be like what the what is the actual point of VAR? Mm-hmm. So if they if they if they like retroactively banned Romero, it would set the worst precedent for VAR. Like it, it just they they can't do that. They just can't. And it, Whoever the VAR on uh, the weekend was would probably just like straight up lose their job if they yeah. did that. Like it would be it would be that bad. I think. I one hundred percent agree with Glenn. That's basically exactly what I was going to say. And like, you can see that that Glenn's a, a trained referee man because, like, <laughs> I've been basically I'm doing my master's projects on on something to do with refereeing and like, just from like talking to them, I know that they would say the same thing. Like from yeah. talking to a lot of ex refs, there's a yeah, I think they felt the introduction of VAR like very quite difficult to to deal with. And the last thing, like you say, Glenn, is the last thing they want to do is draw more attention to it and undermine it. That's why it's not happened. Because if you, yeah, if you do that, you question the whole foundation of what VAR actually is. And yeah, yeah it's just not, not going to happen. One, and to give my Spurs fan answer. Chelsea fans just need to stop crying, man. They need to get over it. They played their they played their best game probably under Tuchel, um, at least at least since twenty twenty two. They've come away. They've only got a point. Cry more, as they say on Twitter. That was another. That was another problem with being drunk on my phone, man. I was just going wild on the N seventeen account, man. I was just atting like football Twitter people just telling I them to cry. I weren't, to cry. Even, I weren't even even drunk, and I was just saying, yeah, I hate Tom Tuchel on the main. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. But um, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, me and Jeb will be at the Wolves game. We'll do a nice little reaction pod after. Glenn, are you going to be there? I'll be there. Yeah, of course. Oh, for God's there. sake. <laughs> oh, you guys just recorded at the stadium, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it will be out probably yeah Monday. No, we'll probably record it Monday or Tuesday. And then, yeah, we'll yeah. get out. ASAP. So yeah, keep your ears peeled. Um, follow on Spotify so you get notified. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give a review. Follow us on the socials at Inson Team Pod. And yeah, thanks for listening. That's all right. Mm-hmm.